0: So recently John Stewart has gotten back into the fray of right versus left converting his show The Problem with John Stewart back into a format that is basically just the daily show. And unfortunately, uh you know I used to really like John Stewart and I still do about a lot of things like he's the one who fought to get the 9/11 first responders their medical treatments and things like that. But now he's gone full woke and the funny thing is, again, I'm still on the left. I still probably agree with him about a lot of things, but I don't agree with lying. I don't agree with misrepresenting the facts. And that's what he's doing about a lot of these topics. And this is definitely no exception. On his recent show, The War Over Gender, which was considered to be like this epic takedown of Matt Walsh's What is a Woman, uh, I'm going to go over a few different specific things that are glaringly, obviously wrong. Now, in this clip, John brings on a panel of quote unquote experts, including two parents with transgender children, as if that somehow makes them experts, a lawyer uh, and an endocrinologist. And the endocrinologist addresses the alleged crazy myth that all of this might actually be for the profit of the people involved. And
1: so then what it shifts to is this is a profit center for you, that this is a cynical exploitation by big pharma to make money off of confused children.
0: That, too, is crazy, because the areas of medicine that are brought in for gender-affirming care are heavily mental health, pediatrics, primary care, endocrinology. If you look up where the the money centers are in medicine,
1: those are not they. I had five colonoscopies last week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not part of gender-affirming care. Now, John just leaves the matter of whether or not profits have anything to do with this as settled at that point. The problem is, those of you who follow my channel have probably already seen this clip, but Matt Walsh found uh, people who went undercover and uncovered the fact that actually a lot of money is being made. So what follows was a video taken without their knowledge where they're explaining to the hospital why they have to get into gender affirming care because it makes a lot of money.
2: Starting in January 1st of 2017, uh, according to the Affordable Care Act, insurance cover carriers are mandated to cover medical expenses for trans folks. Um, some of our BUMC financial folks in 20, in August of twenty I'm sorry, October of twenty sixteen, starting a couple of years ago, put down some costs of how much money we think each patient would bring in. And this is only including top surgery, this isn't including any bottom surgery. And um, it's a lot of money these surgeries make a lot of money uh, so female to male chest reconstruction can bring in $40,000 uh, patient just on routine hormone treatment who I'm only seeing a few times a year can bring in several thousand dollars because it requires a lot of visits and labs it actually makes money for the hospital now these I got from the internet um, but it's from uh, the Philadelphia Center for transgender surgery which has um, does a lot of surgery for patients and I just want to give you an idea of how much these bottom surgeries are making and this is, I think this has to be an underestimate. Uh, This is for a vaginoplasty, they're saying, they're quoting roughly around $20,000 for a vaginoplasty but that doesn't include your hospital stay, that doesn't include your post op visits, that doesn't include um, your anesthesia, your OR, so I would think that this has to be a gross underestimate. I think that's just like the surgeon's uh, piece of it. which. Anybody who's ever been in the hospital knows that that's like 10% of it. Um, And the female to male bottom surgeries, these are huge money makers. Again, I think this has to be an underestimate that they're quoting around $20,000 for a phalloplasty. There's been different things that I've read that said it could be up to $100,000. Dr. Winokur, who's our surgeon, says that there's entire clinics where the entire clinic is supported just by their phalloplasties. And that is like a fraction of the surgeries that they're doing. These surgeries are labor-intensive, they require a lot of follow-ups, they require a lot of O.R. time, and they make money. They make money for the hospital.
0: So now, in this clip, after uh, a montage of making fun of Republicans on this question, he brings up the issue of trans athletes in sports. I've already done a multi-part series on this topic, I have looked over the science that apparently he has not, but let's get into the clip first and then I'll have more to say.
1: 77 anti-trans sports bills introduced this year alone. There have been more anti-trans sports bills introduced this year than trans people dominating sports in the history of women's sports.
0: So I've heard this kind of reductive argument before wherein we're going to suggest that because it hasn't happened a lot yet meaning that trans athletes dominating sports hasn't happened a lot yet therefore it's not a big deal the the problem is is that once you make something legal it's going to happen more often and this is the kind of genie that's not going to be easy to put back in the bottle once you've put taken it out and the damage that will be done to women's sports in the meantime you know is irreversible and Once we let's say we go 10 years down the line and then all of a sudden you got transgender people winning Olympic medals and, you know, winning awards all over the country. Are you do you think you're going to be able to just tell them all? Yeah, sorry, you're going to have to give all that back. Do you you think that's how this is going to work? The reality is this. We didn't create women's uh, sports because of how people identify or because they wanted to hang out with other girls or because they felt girly and therefore should be in a separate group. We did it due to certain biological realities. And it's really ironic because at one point he plays a clip of a trans athlete who did in fact dominate.
2: Legislators are trying to ban doctors from providing gender affirming care.
0: So I did a really brief video about this person, Mac Beggs, uh, a while ago because they went on 30 for 30. And on 30 for 30, which is a sports documentary, they went over Mac's career and essentially went over the fact that Mac, once they got on testosterone, because they are a female to male trans, competing in the girls division, they went from being mediocre to undefeated for two whole years. And despite the fact that they claimed that the reason why is because Texas legislation would not allow Mac to compete with boys, they showed up at uh, national tournaments where they easily could have just went ahead and competed with Only boys, yet still ended up in the girls' division. I will put a link to this in the cards at the end of this video. But let's hear again what Mac had to say about their feelings, about their accomplishments in wrestling. Y'all think he's a two-time state champ? (laughs) You haven't messed with me. (laughs) Right, Mac? Yeah. 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 That's graduation, I thought for sure maybe they'd say. And also in our midst, we have a two-time...
2: No, it, I, no I would I wouldn't wa- no, I, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to. Okay. I wouldn't want to. I just thought maybe they'd acknowledge You wanna know why? Why? Because I really don't feel like I deserve it.
1: Wow. That's a strong statement.
2: I'm being serious. Like yeah, I feel like I like I wanna stay tile. Like, yeah, that's the truth, that's inevitable. But you I want two of them. 'em. Two of them. in a row. Obviously. Undefeated. But, obvious Obviously, listen. But if you were to go against a girl in the girls' tournament, how would you feel? Would you feel like you deserved it? But you were pretty not listen, would you feel like you deserved it?
0: So again, John, just because it hasn't happened a lot, you know, yet, doesn't mean it's not going to happen more. The more acceptable it becomes, the more unacceptable it becomes to oppose it, um, up to including censoring, threatening girls on these teams if they speak out about it, etc., then you're going to see a lot more of it. And again, you're not going to be on the front lines trying to fix that, you know, when the time comes, you know, when we finally do get to the point that what many of us who've been involved in coaching women's sports, including myself, because my daughter was a wrestler already know, which is that this is not going to be fair. The, the fight for like gender equality as far as sports is not even over yet. And we're just telling women that their, you know, issues don't matter anymore. Because in the woke world, there is this weird hierarchy that goes on, and this is an example of it. So in this next clip, he ambushes the attorney general in one of the states where they have banned the early transition medicines and surgeries, and she gets a couple things wrong because she wasn't prepared, but that doesn't mean that she was an idiot. Uh, He was asking a lot of very specific questions, and she didn't have all the answers on hand, but... Uh, I'm going to clarify one of the more important ones. And one more quick note, you'll notice that he uses a laugh track, which is basically just recorded laughter frequently, as I guarantee there wasn't a studio audience in the room when he was talking to this woman. Um, Just be aware of the fact that strategically placing laugh tracks around your jokes is a great way to kind of like mentally manipulate people into thinking that what is being said is funny, even if it's not.
1: We don't need To allow children to be able to take those medications, that there are many instances where. But you know that's not true. You you know it's not for everyone. There's one. There's these are the established. Well, I don't know that that that's not true. I don't know that. Then why would you? Why would you pass a law then if you don't? If you don't know that that's true, wouldn't you? Well, I know that there are doctors, and that we had plenty of people come and testify before our legislature Mm -hmm. who said that. Uh, you know, we have 98% of the young people who have gender dysphoria, right. uh, that they are able to move past that. And once they have the, the help that they need, no longer suffer from gender dysphoria. 98% wow. without uh, that medical treatment. That's an, that, that's an, and an so- incredibly made-up figure. <laughs> that's, that doesn't comport with any of the studies or documentation that exists from these medical organizations.
0: So it is inaccurate to say 98. The actual number that she misquoted was 80%. And it doesn't just come from nowhere. It wasn't just a made-up figure. And it did, in fact, come from some of these, as you put it, you know, medical experts. I'm going to provide a link to this article in the description. But this is from the National Library of Medicine. So as you can see highlighted here in the purple, evidence from the 10 available prospective follow-up studies from childhood to adolescence reviewed in the study by Ristori and Steensman indicates that for 80% of children who meet the criteria for gender dysphoria, the gender dysphoria recedes with puberty. Instead, many of these adolescents will identify as non-heterosexual. In other words, they're gay. That's what 80% of the time this is actually really all about. This is actually the study that Jordan Peterson quotes all the time that is a thorn in the ass of the trans movement.
1: Protecting children means overriding the recommendations of the American Medical Association, the American Association of Pediatrics, the Endocrine Society. We don't have enough data. We don't have enough to show that these drugs are effective and that these children are better off and that we should we don't encourage have enough these
0: or it's not enough for you. It is literally scientifically impossible to make the claim that you have knowledge of the long-term consequences or benefits of any treatment or scientific anything if said thing has not been done long enough to even establish that. You cannot say, for example, that a vaccine is safe for people indefinitely if you've only tested it for a year. It's impossible, okay? And along the same lines, we are now discovering that there really is not a lot of data to suggest that this is good for people. In fact, now data is starting to suggest that it could be dangerous, including causing cancer. I have a trans friend with cancer right now. So it's not just a question of whether or not it's enough data for you or for anyone else, it's not scientifically possible that you even have data about the long-term effects of any of this, and to suggest otherwise is fucking asinine. Brett Weinstein and I talked about this when he was on my show. I'll link that in the cards if you guys want to listen. In this article that I'll provide in the description, we have Gender reassignment of children is a big experiment. Hundreds of children with gender dysphoria are subjected every year to quote-unquote with hormones, and then with genital mutilation, completely without a reasonable basis in terms of science, proven experience, and often without ethical review. Professor Christopher Gilberg and others at the University of Gothenburg write this. This is in an article entitled, The Swedish U-Turn on Gender Transitioning for Children. Uh, Sweden has officially ended the practice of prescribing puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones for minors under age 18. They've recognized the experimental nature of treating minors with puberty blockers and hormones and have established new protocols that deviate significantly from WPATH and the quote unquote professional associations that the Canadian government and healthcare authorities are listening to. You can access the official documents and read more at the summary published at, you know, there. Is gender transition medically necessary? The graph below shows all referrals to gender gender clinics in Sweden. The inverted U shape of the curve is extremely interesting. Referrals to gender clinics fell off a cliff in 2019. Why? And why no rebound? Does the Swedish experience tell us something about the hype and potential disillusionment surrounding the practice of medically transitioning children? By Louis Friesen, Chief Physician, Associate Professor of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at the KID Stockholm Clinic for Gender Incongruence and Gender Dysphoria, delivered it at a Swedish Medical Ethics Council seminar, February 6, 2020. The sudden sharp increase suggests a triggering event. Certainly the explosive growth in natal females seeking gender transition is a new phenomenon throughout high income countries. It has coincided with the advent of social media and the popularization of transgenderism in mainstream media and online. Swedish child psychiatrist Sven Roman has compared the explosive growth in the number of cases of gender dysphoria to other psychiatric conditions such as eating disorders and self-harm behavior, that are known to spread with social context. This is the social contagion issue. Basically, it becomes a trend. It becomes something to become accepted, to become cool. He documents the process of discovery that the medical community went through to understand how to best treat these kinds of conditions. Over the past decade, he says research has proven that supporting psychotherapy can reduce or stop self-harm behavior within three months of the avalanche of gender dysphoria cases being referred, he says, unlike the epidemic of self-harm behavior, gender dysphoria, care providers are not exploring to find the right treatment. Instead, on a broad front, drastic treatment with high doses of sex hormones and breast and genital surgery is introduced. This despite the lack of any scientific evidence for these treatments for children and probably not for youth adults either. So, It says here, in the fall of 2019, there was a 67, I'm sorry, 65% decline in the number of referrals to gender clinics in Sweden. This corresponded with experts calling on the government to review clinical protocols and more balanced media coverage of the phenomenon of regret among gender transitioners, including the airing of a documentary entitled Trans Train. Trans Train is great, and you can find it with subtitles uh, because it's a Swedish documentary. There's actually multiple parts. I will make those available to you with links in the description. The three-part documentary includes several interviews with detransitioners and revealed that medical transition of minors is not evidence-based. A high-profile trans woman in Sweden, Aleska Lundberg, also came out in the media saying that if she were to go back and make the decision again, I might not have had the surgery. She said she believed that there was more, no, um, a more scientific basis for this healthcare, but has since realized that that is not the case. She says people deserve a more complex narrative than the simple public narrative that the media has been promoting on the topic of gender transition. Referrals have remained steadily lower, indicating that the medical necessity of gender transition was questionable for many of the youth being referred for treatment. We are told that the treatment of minors, now unofficially, includes referring many to psychiatric evaluation. Previously, we are told that almost 100% of trans-identified youth who referred to the gender clinics were prescribed puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones. So, in other words, there is no scientific basis for this, which is what Walsh actually says in his reply to John Stewart. What studies, John? There are no studies. There really are not. And again, like I said earlier, it's a basic scientific principle that you cannot make the statement that something is safe in the long term until it's been tried in the long term. He referred multiple times over the course of his episode about scientific studies and peer-reviewed this. It's just bullshit. It's a lie. Now, I'm confident that Jon Stewart himself is being lied to here, but he didn't do any due diligence. And an awful lot of that episode is just like basically the equivalent of clicking the laugh react to somebody on Facebook without actually addressing what they're saying in any meaningful way. And I hope that this video helps people to understand that. I'm not gonna go over his entire video, and I actually wonder whether or not this is gonna stay up on YouTube because I don't know if I'll get copyright strike for it, but if I do, don't forget to check out my uh, website so that you can see the other places where this will inevitably end up. I'm gonna put this back up on BitChute, it's gonna be on Odyssey, it's gonna be on Rumble, Um, but I urge you guys to take um, serious caution and research these things for yourself. I'm not a conservative. I'm not a Christian. I don't have religious opposition to what this is about. I just smell lies and bullshit, and I'm uncovering it. Um, you should also check out Brett Weinstein and his wife's response to Jon Stewart's you know, issues with the trans issue. So this is my little HY page where you can find all the different places that you can check out V-Radio. Uh, I have had content that would get removed from YouTube. And so when that happens, I put it back up on other places like Rumble and Odyssey and BitChute, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, you can also listen to a lot of my stuff as a podcast. And I also have podcasts going back to like 2008. Um, and you can find those here. My Facebook page is pretty active. Um, that's a good way to learn when, it's com- you know, when things are coming on. And that's another point, actually, is uh, I'd like you guys to join my Facebook group, this one in specific, because I can slash at everyone and then you can always be notified when I make new content. You can support me on Patreon and PayPal and Subscribestar. You can also join my Telegram channel. You can also join my Discord. Um, And I am on Getter, though I haven't really been that active, and I do have a Twitter. Um, I don't know why I didn't put that on here, but I can link that in the description if you guys want it, because I am Shadow Banned on Twitter. But um, definitely join my Discord. My Discord is extremely active, and unlike a lot of other people on YouTube, I'm actually on my Discord and actually interacting with people, and frequently uh, the people that are on my Discord help me research my topics, so you guys can join in the conversation there. I just want to be clear, there's one major unbendable rule, no personal attack. You guys are free to debate, and I encourage it, and they debate me, and they debate each other, and there's right versus left, the conversations that go on in our Discord, but we still all manage to maintain maintain civility, Um, so if you want to be part of the conversation and you are willing to put aside your personal differences to avoid personal attack, by all means, we'd love to have you on Discord. It's also another one of the best ways to be absolutely sure you get my stuff because YouTube does not always notify everybody and I get messages all the time that people have been magically unsubscribed. So again, for redundancy, folks, you know, join me on these other mediums so that you're always sure to get my content. Thanks again for tuning in.